Welcome back to my listen guys, a bi-weekly podcast about BBC's Mana where we talk about the show, the fandom, the ships, the characters, and where we do episode reviews, one of which we'll be doing today. I am Momotastic. And I'm a Snowfox. And today we have a guest with us who is Connor. Hello. <laughs> We're so happy to have another guest for an episode review because these are rare. That is rare. <laughs> <laughs> And it's always fun to talk about episodes with other people and get their perspective because, I mean, as it is, Rox and I, we just, we kind of already know a lot what we're going to say, what we're going to like about the episode, but hearing from someone new is is great. So, yeah, today will be an episode review of The Moment of Truth, the 10th episode of the first season of Merlin. And before we go into that, let's quickly hear some news. Winter Nights is now open for sign-ups and has, as far as I could tell, no deadline. So go forth, sign up, and write all the cute winter and Christmas content. The website for the former Big Bang Challenge, Box of Magic, has gone. It might be possible that old bookmarks will be able to be accessed through the Wayback Machine, but other than that, all the fake is gone, unless it has been cross-posted to another platform. Mari Lewis has ordered more copies of the hashtag Medieval Husbands art book that they've been selling before, so now you can start buying them again. They offer a few goodies in addition to the art book if you donate a little more money when you buy the book. Pornilot is also open for business now. Signups are officially closed today, but the mods have assured me that new participants will be allowed to join in at any time during the challenge. Meanwhile, challenge number one has already been posted, so quickly go and check it out. Camelot Drabble is looking for a new AO3 mod as well as a new Life Journal co-mod. Previous experience preferred, but newbies also welcome to apply. If you think you've got what it takes to mod, go and apply now. Merlin Reverse Big Bang signups are also open as of Friday. Go and sign up if you want to create artwork to be the main entry in a Big Bang challenge, or if you're a writer who wants to write a fig for an artwork. Last but not least, Melissen will be posted at 4pm Central European time from now on. Since I have failed to finish editing the episode by 3pm several weeks in a row now, I feel like fate is trying to tell me something. Alright, that has been it for news. And of course, since we have a new guest today, this guest gets the honor of talking a little bit about themselves, because that's what we really want to (laughs) know. So Connor, tell us. How did you get into Merlin fandom? When did you watch it? Who are you in fandom? What do you do in fandom? Where where can we find and stalk you on the internet? <laughs> I'm pretty much everywhere as Bad Wolf Seal, which you did say right when you said it. <laughs> That's like Tumblr, Instagram, and stuff. Um, as for getting into Merlin, I got into it back in 2009 when it was airing on NBC because like three people said to me, why are you not watching Merlin? You should watch Merlin. You should. Why aren't you watching Merlin? And my friend had to sit me down and make me watch the first episode. And then she fell asleep and I woke her up to be like, hey, where's episode two? <laughs> <laughs> I think I binged the rest of the series like that day. Because this was back in 2009. And I tr- then went and found, I, think, I don't know if series two was airing at the time, but whenever it started to air... In the UK, I was starting to watch it online because I couldn't wait for America. (laughs) Understandably. (laughs) (laughs) It was 
a lot. I have a lot of memories of like three in the afternoon sitting at my computer, desperately loading the website. And this was like a desktop in the family room. Oh, that was... no. <laughs> so, so long ago. <laughs> like on my big headphones. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think the only one I didn't watch like within either in real time or within a day was the last episode, like the very last, because my friend and I said, you know what? We're not going to ruin Christmas this time. We're just going to wait a few days and then watch it. <laughs> and then we cried a lot. Um, but as for like anything I've done in the fandom, I haven't, um, I don't put anything out in a very long time. Um, uh, years ago, and I had to go back and review this when I um, was like, oh, come on for an episode. There was this thing, I don't even know if it ever happened again, called like the Murther Party that happened on Tumblr. And I was part of that for, I think it's only run that maybe it happened. I don't know if it happened again after that. Yeah, I think that's actually probably when I started to join. I think I joined in like 2010 or 2011 for Tumblr. It was a long time ago. <laughs> and you said uh, you were making cosplay, so right? Yes. Um, I was not kidding when I bought that fabric, probably. Oh, maybe I bought it in like 2012, but definitely like anywhere from beginning of the show to like series three, I bought the fabric for this because I live in New York. So it's easy for me to go to get fabric because there's a whole fabric district in New York City. Wow. And so I got like all this stuff and I was ready to go. And then I didn't make it for like almost 10 years. What, what and, cosplay is it going to be? Uh, it's Merlin. So... I, well, I kind of finished it already, but I really want to go back and fix it up, um, because I kind of was suddenly inspired to do it, and then I did it so fast that I'm like, eh, there's some flaws here there that I really want to fix. It just looks pretty from the outside. That's what matters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's the summary for Moment of Truth from the Merlin Wiki. Merlin's home village of Ealdor is attacked by raiders led by the fearsome Kanan. Hunith goes to Camelot to ask for Uther's help, but he refuses to send help because to cross into Ealdor, which is outside of Camelot's boundaries, would constitute an act of war. Merlin leaves Camelot to help defend his home, and is surprised to find help from Morgana, Gwen, and Arthur. However, an old friend of Merlin forces the young sorcerer into making a difficult choice. Will he use magic to save the village and thus reveal his secret to Arthur? Dun dun dun. Yeah. And I always, it should always come after these. Yeah. After these <laughs> summaries. It should always be dun dun dun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or like a thunderclap or something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, we might as well just jump into kind of overall thoughts about the episode because that's kind of like. So this this episode is the first in a line of tradition episodes in the Merlin series, which I like to call the ep the mandatory episode of each season in which Merlin thinks it's safe to reveal his magic to Arthur. Something <laughs> something bad happens, and then he realizes it's no longer safe to reveal his magic to Arthur, and that happens every season. We have. With, like, increasing consequences. <laughs> so we have the moment of truth. We have sins of the father. We have, um, oh, what's the one in season three? Uh, da, 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 da. I'm sure there's one. Maybe there isn't. Uh, then we have 
the uh the wicked day uh and then the death song of uther pendragon and it's just like this kind of started out that tradition but the thing is like rewatching this episode recently i realized how much of because it seems to be like this really cool team up episode where everyone kind of is involved but it's really merlin's episode like it's his character episode and it's kind of him dealing with whether he thinks he can trust Arthur and him realizing that actually they're friends. They're not just like a servant and a master, which like he thinks, Oh, I can like, it'll be fine. And it's, you know, but the thing with that is that I'm a bit like, I don't think that the stakes in this episode are high enough for where it actually is in the season. And we've discussed this a lot on Merlis and we're like, I feel some of these episodes are just kind of placed in a really weird like part in the series because we've just had Excalibur, which is this huge like mystery reveal of, you know, the secret of Arthur's birth and there's all these high stakes. And then Moment of Truth comes right after. And even though the storyline is like good, I just feel like I think I nicknamed this episode hashtag farm problems because i was like yeah it's like what why why does this matter <laughs> like why is this important i feel like if it had come because arthur meets his mother-in-law yeah pretty but, much uh, and she's like Ugh, i guess you'll do <laughs> <laughs> i feel no it's... no hunith totally ships it in this episode oh, she she's like she's like oh arthur is here for you merlin he cares about you, Merlin. You're two sides of the same coin, Merlin. You need to be by his side, Merlin. Why aren't you just going back? Because I can't feed you anymore, Merlin. Can I get you guys anything? Some snacks? A condom? <laughs> um, but I just... It's <laughs> happening. That, like, right when they're outside the hut, when she's, like, gathering dishes, like, yeah. that's needed? <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, I just, I don't know. This is the same thing I had with with the Poison Chalice. Like, that's my favorite episode of Merlin. And I was like, but it's just too soon. Like, it's too soon in the show. And, you know, I just, you know, because this is the thing. Like, even though, like, yeah, Arthur does this big thing for Merlin. And it's meant to be like, you know, it's the 10th episode. It's meant to be this big thing. Oh, my God, he's doing this thing for him. But it's like, he's already sacrificed, like, put his life on the line already so it's not like it's it it's not like we don't know he would like do this so i'm just kind of i don't know if this was originally meant to air earlier and they just decided to move things around we know that they do that like so i don't know it just feels like it should have been a little just maybe a little bit earlier because yeah it just feels like and then obviously the episode that follows this it's another one with quite high stakes because you know people are starving and there's a drought and there's a famine and i'm like this just seems like it's a really small story compared to what's come before it and what's coming after it so i don't know do you guys feel like maybe it it kind of could have been in a different place or or do you like where it is um no i think i agree that like a lot of these episodes should have been moved around like if this had actually come before the poison chalice that would have made like yeah more sense because i agree like we already like Arthur 
especially in the Poison Chalice, like that's episode four, and he is hanging off the edge of a cliff, or, like about to die, and yes. sacrificing his relationship with his father for somebody he met like what a month ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, if that long. But going yeah. to the farm, that's you know, that's that's when you know it's true love. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think well look because the actual stakes for the character Merlin are actually quite high because like I said it's the first in a line of episodes where he wants to reveal his magic to Arthur and then he doesn't and this is the first episode in because I think because we're now kind of looking at, in hindsight we're like oh yeah well this happens all the time but this is the first time as an audience that you're watching the show that you think oh my god maybe something could happen here with the magic reveal so but I feel like because the actual situation is so low stake that this should like the storyline of him wanting to reveal his magic and feeling safe enough to do it and Arthur doing something nice for him I think those should have just been split up because I think that's two different things happening so I just think that if they'd have put that in a different like put this put the dilemma of should I reveal my magic to Arthur in a different episode where the stakes are slightly higher I think it could warrant its place like in the end half of the season. But as it is like just the fact that, that, you know, you've got this massive episode about like just some like, you know, um, savages coming to raid a farm and it's just like, uh, okay. I mean, this, this is really what's going to make you reveal your magic (laughs) is like nothing, like no, not any of the other life threatening situations you've been in, in Camelot (laughs) thus far. Um, but I think like this is something that the writers do a lot. They're just kind of like, oh, that'll do. And there you go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let me quickly, before we go any further into this, get my statistics in. Um, this episode first aired on the 22nd of November in 2008, which was a long time ago, like almost 10 years now. And we have three female characters in this episode who are... No, actually, there are a couple more, but they only get, like, to shout, No! So that that doesn't really count in my book. Also, she doesn't have a name, as far as I'm aware. Um, So we have three female characters with names and lines. And they are, as ever, Morgana and Gwen. And then, of course, Huneth, Merlin's mother. And, as always... A lot of male characters who are Arthur, Merlin, Gaius, and Uther, our usual suspects. And then you have Will, Matthew, and Kanan. And I want to say probably one or two other peasants, but like not really. I don't <laughs> like, think any, no, I don't think anyone else speaks. That's it. Yeah, I think one of the bandits calls Kanan's name occasionally, but yes. like. <laughs> it's like fruit. I found <laughs> seven male characters who actually have lines and names. And the enemy or monster of the week is Kanan, who arguably is both. And Arthur kills Kanan. I mean, technically, all of them kill more people. But, um, like, the the noteworthy person that Arthur kills is uh, Kanan. And Merlin, I noticed, like, very early on when they first arrive in Yaldor, like, he kills one of Kanan's men. And, like, 
is very blasé about it. Like he's, that's that's oh, yeah. the part where where he makes the the sword heat up in in the bandit's yeah. hand, and then the bandit drops it, and Merlin just slices yeah. him. And I'm like, just like, Merlin. <laughs> oh my god! And isn't there a scene? Like, isn't there another one he kills where he stabs him and then just taps the end of the sword? Like he's super happy with himself. It's like, yeah, got the bandit. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> just Merlin, what? What happened? Like, when did you get so blasé about killing people? Like, even when there are bad people, you just like, oh yeah, I killed that dude. But he's always been like that. Yeah, like, yeah. He killed... I know, I know. It's <laughs> he's just, just like, like... Uh... <laughs> he killed Lady Helen without any kind of like. That's just, you know, it's so weird to me because, like, canonically speaking, Merlin kills all of these uh, people that he perceives as bad people, and thus probably, like worthy of death or whatever like he doesn't doesn't just doesn't even blink at killing them and yet in fandom he's often portrayed as this person who feels so much guilt and remorse over hurting people i'm just like probably because we never got it in the show so people were like we have to feel it somewhere Well, he does, I mean, like we've said a million times on this show, he feels deep remorse and genuine grief when one of his own kind is killed or hurting. So we see it with Freya, we see it with um, the druid boy uh, that dies in season five, we see it with um, Mordred, obviously. Uh, So I think that he does. But I guess also in this kind of situation, they're all killing people. He only only does, like... I mean, I know we've said this probably in the Merlin character episode before, but, like, yes, he feels sad and remorse. Like, first of all, he didn't kill them himself. He, they were killed by other people. Um, but he doesn't actually feel bad for them when he thinks that they are bad people. Like, it's only this remorse, this sadness only extends to people that he perceives as good people, like regardless of whether they are his kind or not, because he has no qualms about letting Mordred die in season five. Like he would have happily let Mordred die, even though Mordred is most definitely Merlin's kin. You know, they're they're both magic. Merlin knows that, and he he has no problem. Same with Morgana. Well, well, not exactly the same with Morgana. Like he does feel bad for her. Like in season two, when he when he has to poison her, he feels bad. But in season five, I mean, he says he blames himself for her, but he still like doesn't regret it enough not to kill her. And then he doesn't yeah, really. He's just like I'm tired, and you need to. Yeah, stop. <laughs> I'm just like I'm exhausted. Let this just be over. I'm gonna stab you now. <laughs> Why is it that every single episode of Merlin, regardless of the topic, we always come back to the this this issue of Merlin and murder? Like we always seem to discuss Merlin's code of ethics, which, like, I think is still like painfully obvious. Which is Merlin's code of ethics is: you come near Arthur, you die. That yeah, is literally pretty, all pretty much, pretty much. So let's talk about something else that is not Merlin's code of ethics for a change. What I really like about this episode, uh, it is in the uh, pretty much in the very first scene that we have in this episode, which is you know uh, Kanan invading Yeldor for the first time. Well, well, probably not the first time, but the first time that we as the audience see it. So I just want to 
point out all the guest stars we have on this episode because there are like at least three people that are at least in hindsight noteworthy. So there's Alexander Siddick who was on Star Trek D- uh, Deep Space Nine, which I am watching at the moment. So I was like, hey, it's Julian. And he was also on Game of Thrones as uh, Doran Martell. And then we have Joe Dempsey, who's Will on Merlin, who was also on Game of Thrones as Gendry <laughs> and looks much better on that show than he does on Merlin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then uh, the third one is Jonathan Aris, who was on Sherlock and on Humans. Cool. With, yeah, so... How many guest appearances in this episode? <laughs> there were so many, right? It's uh, yeah, and I didn't. I know that when I first watched it, I definitely did not uh, recognize Alexander Siddig because Game of Thrones hadn't been on TV yet, and I hadn't watched Star Trek: Deep Space Nine yet, so I was like, eh, whatever. And Joe Dempsey meant nothing to me. <laughs> But I do remember that I was like with uh, Jonathan Aries, like later when I rewatched the show, I was like, "Oh, look, it's Anderson." <laughs> well, I, I, I lit, like I messaged you, I think, didn't I, saying, "Oh my God, I've just realized that Matthew is Anderson." Like, and I, because I was looking at him, being like, "Where do I know that voice?" And then I, and then I realized, <laughs> like, I could hear in the back of my head, kind of like sociopath yeah right (laughs) 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 it was the beard that was throwing me off like (laughs) Um, anyway yeah that were our that are our guest stars on this episode and i just find it immensely hilarious that um two of them were on game of thrones like so many other people who were on merlin are on game of thrones (laughs) and yeah and matthew was on humans with colin so fun um, so Connor, what are your kind of overall, like, so what's your overall opinion on the episode be- before we go into like a scene by scene kind of thing? As uh, an overall episode is probably my favorite just because it's fun on its own. Like in the grand scheme of the series, I agree that like its stakes do not match the episode before and after it. Like, especially, um, the Labyrinth episode is very much hinging on the safety of the entire kingdom where this is just like hey Yaldor um but I watch it so much independently that I enjoy it and it's all four of them like I like that it's Arthur Merlin Morgana and Gwen because we don't get them together teaming up pretty much yeah I think ever really I think there's maybe like another one that I can't think of but like they're all there consistently even though it's like Merlin's episode they're still there in the Mm. background but like there are episodes where Oh, like, I can think of Lancelot and Guinevere involved all four of them, but they weren't always there. Like, Morgana gets put to the side after they go on their little quest. The only other one like it is the Castle of Therian, but Morgana's evil by that point, so she's kind of not really on their side, but they're all kind of going on, a like, an, an adventure together, and, like, yeah. But by that point, it's awkward, because, like, Arthur and Gwen are kind of a thing, and then the other two are just, like, like, like glaring at one another and it's just <laughs> not the same yeah so yeah this is kind of like the only one nice time that they're all kind of together before things got weird and i also um of like only times that these happens is that i like that the villain is non-magical like in, in no way shape or form and then i went and i tried to figure out which episodes had non-magical enemies like 
including not involving Morgana when she was evil, like even her influence. There was like 11. That's pretty much it out of like 65 episodes where there's a human adversary or like human nature as the adversary. I even have some that have question marks because there were like magical elements, but it was mostly human. I wonder if this is the only episode, because I'm trying to think of another one, but I wonder if this is the only episode where like the conflict didn't even have anything to do with either Merlin, Arthur, Camelot, Uther, anything like that. Like, like the conflict, if, if, if it hadn't been Huneth in this village, and if she hadn't had Merlin in Camelot, like if this had been any other village, then the the conflict wouldn't have even got to Merlin and the gang, you know. And then that that conflict wasn't about anything about Merlin, anything about Arthur, anything about their destiny, anything about taking revenge on Uther, nothing like that. Like nothing to do with any one of the main cast. The only the only link we have is that it was Ealdor and Huneth who is Merlin's mother. So I wonder if there were any other episodes where there wasn't actually a conflict about them that they got involved in anyway. Um, um, we can't think about it. Maybe our <laughs> yeah. listeners, maybe our listeners will come up with one and comment. Um, but yeah, it's just, that's just, literally just occurred to me that I was like this is not actually about what the episodes are usually about like this is not a conflict that we usually have like because usually conflict is because someone is mad at Arthur or someone wants to kill Merlin or even though it's not involving anyone else but Merlin I'd say the Lady of the Lake is kind of like that because he just kind of gets himself in a situation because he wants to help this girl and that and then that's what the episode hinges on okay so shall we we open on the Eldor being, um, you know, ruined and, you know, kind of people stealing shit. We kind of end with um, Hunith having been hit around the face and uh, someone being killed with a crossbow. And she's kind of looking off into the distance, being like, I'm going to go find my son. <laughs> <And> it's like <laughs> He's going to kick your butt <laughs> with magic. And... Uh... And then we get Hunith arriving in Camelot. And, like, Merlin, like, being so protective over his mama is just, like, <laughs> the sweetest thing. And I actually wrote down here, like, imagine what he'd be like with a little daughter. Like, oh. right? Because <laughs> he's so, he just completely changes. Like, he becomes, like, because I always kind of, like, even though he's not, um, like, I wouldn't say that he can't be kind of like the one that's kind of looking after and stuff like that but I never really see him in that role like especially like in the scenes with Arthur because Arthur is like his his presence is always so much more like in your face that I'm like yeah Merlin's just kind of like that and then when he's with his mom and she kind of needs him I'm like oh this is so cute he's like the one that's like looking after and the one that's supporting and it's oh it's so adorable I love it it's really sweet what comes after that, Momo? Um, they're in the throne room. I mean, I love Uther. Everybody knows this. Well, I like, and I actually agree. Like, I have a note as well that's just like Uther, especially in this scene. Like, Uther's a good king. Like, we might hate him, 
for like different reasons or like get mad at him and i was like i think you even mentioned in the mark of nimue that like he's trying to do what's best for camelot and going to Ialdor is not good for camelot and he tries to take his whole kingdom into consideration instead of just like one village like the needs of the many outweighs the needs of the few very much so in uther's mind and like it's also just not you know, legally possible for him to do right. it. And you can see how conflicted he is. Like, you can see he's upset by this. Like, he says, I would, like, have this barbarian, like, wa- like washed off the face of the earth. Like, he wants to help, but he can't. And I'm like, which is why I hate when Morgana gets all high and mighty, like she is in this scene. Like, she goes to comfort Hunith and, like, gives him the side eye. I'm like, what do you expect him to do? <laughs> he can't do anything. Which is just... And then... Um, I think that uh, after that scene, we have, uh, is it the Merlin and Arthur scene on top of the... Uh... Of the battlements, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have a whole section of notes just about this scene. <laughs> Same. It's, it's just... just called the Merthyr rooftop scene in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, this is our first Merthyr moment of the week. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've written here that the... I love it when Merlin does this, like the fact that he says oh thank you for granting an order like getting her an audience with the king like the fact that there's like an implied scene that came before this that we didn't see um i just love like little storytelling things like that because it's like we don't you know we didn't have to have a scene showing merlin going to arthur saying please can you help me with this and this it's just like implied that that's what happened which i really love that um and uh and also the fact that merlin went straight to arthur with this rather than like anywhere else or to gaius <laughs> just i mean that always makes me happy like he you know he knew that arthur would help him and that's just uh what i like in this scene is uh this is more towards the end when merlin has already declared that he's that he's going to yaldor to to help and then arthur is like well, you'll be coming back, right? <laughs> He's just like, he cannot fathom that Merlin would not come back. And then Merlin is like, well, she's my mom. He's like, quite right, I would do the same. And then he just, he tries to to deflect from his feelings of, oh no, Merlin is leaving by being like, well, it's been terrible. Worst servant I've ever had. <laughs> and she's like, no, Arthur, baby, you can't have feelings. It's all right. Feelings are normal express them and not with sarcasm but what i love about this uh, like when he says i would do exactly the same i wrote down a note here being like this is what i'm saying arthur arthur would drop everything for like he like merlin is basically saying she's my mother i've got to look after her before anyone else you understand that and he says i would do exactly the same arthur arthur's main point of focus is not camelot people it is the people that he loves he it's just like and i i i never realized the significance of that line until i rewatched the episode and i was like this is what i'm trying to say on merlison every week (laughs) (laughs) okay and he even says like i wish camelot could help people no matter how far they are like no that's what borders are for arthur arthur (laughs) (laughs) we literally talked about it a scene ago (laughs) well i mean this is also to be fair this is uh like I don't know probably accidental knowing the writers but um a tiny bit of foreshadowing to Arthur's destiny of uniting all of Albion because 
you know, when when all of Albion is under his command and he is responsible for all of Albion and then he gets to help everybody because they're all his. This is like, this is what I mean. Like when they had these little kind of, yeah, like you said, these Easter eggs to what's going to come. And it, yeah, it's just a subtle one. And that, I yeah, I could, I love that line. It's just so wonderful. I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, that's some foreshadowing. Um, but I do have a note here saying, um, as like as cute as it is that Merlin will like do anything to help his mom, again this does okay. <laughs> I I don't buy it. I don't buy it that uh, like Merlin was willing to let a child die two episodes ago in order to save Arthur's life. He would not just up and leave him like for any like I don't buy it. Like again, if this was earlier. Maybe in like the first five episodes, I would have been like, yeah, actually, you know, do you know what? They don't know each other that well yet. But by this point, they've gone through some shit. And I'm just like, he, what happened to he's my destiny? Like, you wouldn't <laughs> just got like, and he, ma- yeah, and he makes the insinuation that he, that he's not coming back. Oh, I, I will okay. just, I will just take this as further proof that originally they meant to put this episode earlier. It's the next one, the one where Merlin packs with um Gwen. Yes. And okay. not having a clue what he's doing with that sword. <laughs> Gwen's just like, uh... <laughs> I have that note. Like, Gwen gives him the sword and he knocks in his head. It's very swordy. And then Gwen has this little look that says, oh god, she's gonna die. <laughs> Like, she's just, you can see it in her face. She's just like, oh, no, Merlin, you're going to die. <laughs> and then in comes Morgana in that sexy warrior princess outfit that has zero functionality. Like, the only functional thing in that outfit are her breeches. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> Oh my Weird. god! I have a love hate note about Morgana's costumes. I mean, I could go off about them for like the entire series, but this episode in particular, yeah. What are you? What? What are you wearing? But my like, so my friend that I'm getting into Merlin, like, uh, she uh, was when we watched this episode because I had just kind of like forgot. Yeah, there's because again, when you know the show, you just don't really like see things like this as that big of a deal. But this is, yeah, the first time I've seen Morgana dressed like this. And when she walked into the room, my friend went, damn. (laughs) (laughs) She was just like, wow, she looks good. I was like, oh yeah, I guess she does. Actually, look at her. It's It's a loose shirt that's open to her cleavage. It just, it gapes open. She ha- she's wearing trousers and then this ridiculous necklace thing that she's wearing. Just like, Morgana, what were you thinking? Like, I might I might be dying, but at least I'll be looking good while I do it. Yeah, I mean that's basically <laughs> Morgana. Um, what uh, what follows is not um... in season five. She's <laughs> <laughs> been through a lot of shit. In oh, God. <laughs> um. What follows is a shot of them leaving Camelot, uh, or I should say them. It's not them. It's extra. Uh, it's like a stand-in. Look at that wig, Colin. <laughs> what, look at that wig, Bradley. And then we have a wide shot of them still not being Bradley, Colin, Katie, and Angel. But I'm pretty sure that Angel is white in that mo, like in that shot. <laughs> She's oh my like... god! It has to like. Check that. Well, uh, I, think, I believe well, it 100%. <laughs> I think so. Because no, well, w- obviously in the commentary, they like always make fun of it w- when it's not actually them. But in that wide shot, they just kind of laugh. And then Bradley goes, how is that 
angel but like <laughs> the thing is is i never got what he meant i was like why angel specifically so i tried to really squint and i was like i'm pretty sure that's a white girl with dark hair it's <laughs> <laughs> like i mean look in like in theory if you didn't have anybody else there and you just needed someone to stand in yeah i like i get you know like what you're gonna do like you know if like if angel's not there like to film that that shot but it just makes me laugh when it's so i mean honestly how hard is it to find a black woman as an extra to stand in for angel like honestly how hard can it be like even if angel isn't there you can't tell me there is no other black woman to be found in the entire of what is it france wales wherever they shot this well there may not be one that has her specific skin tone with curly hair like maybe that's what it was i don't know it's still better than taking a white person <laughs> i mean wigs on the other extras <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that oh. <laughs> yeah that's a nice yeah nice wigs you got there guys <laughs> just... um and then we've got our first campfire scene which is uh just oh god like this breaks my heart because you've got Merlin and Hooneth talking and you know um she you know makes a comment about how uh it it won't make a difference to Kanan that you know Gwen and Morgana are women which I think is quite like an interesting kind of like line I think that's it kind of I do think that kind of raises the stakes like a little bit because you're like oh yeah like this guy's actually like pretty fucking brutal but um what the line that really really upsets me when i and like again it's in in hindsight it upsets me more now that i've watched all five seasons is when she says oh you know no one can can find out about you blah blah, blah. and he says they they won't they never do and it's just <laughs> like, okay no i have i have different beef with this part of the dialogue because first of all Lancelot did. Not too long ago. Merlin, you're not subtle. Um, <laughs> maybe that's second... why, like, maybe Lancelot was meant to come after this episode. This is what I'm probably, saying. Probably. Second of all, like, who is Hunith referring to in this with no one? Like, does she mean Gwen and Morgana? Or does she mean the villagers in Ealder? Because I'm pretty sure that in Esetir, where Ealder is, magic is actually legal. Like, I have so many feelings about this. <laughs> like, why can... Like, this This has been... Like, I keep thinking about this. Like, even why... Why did Merlin have to hide his magic in Ealdor? Why did he have to go to Camelot, to a different country? Why couldn't he just go... Like, even if it had been a problem in Ealdor for some reason, like people being afraid of him for, I don't know, whatever reason, because they're close to Camelot and buying into... Uther's, ooh, magic is evil bullshit. Um, but why couldn't he have gone to somewhere else in Esetir? Like, what is the reasoning behind well, I this? I think the reasoning, A, I think the magic thing, regardless of whether it's legal or not, uh, where they are um, in Senran's kingdom, I think that, it, like you said, Momo, it, it, it could just be like a stigma thing. So people just maybe were scared of him because obviously only Will knows. But I think it's a case of, um, I think Hunith was scared that if people found out that he could do these things, they would turn on him because they'd be frightened because, you know, especially in a village where, you know, not to be rude, but maybe people are a bit kind of more superstitious and stuff. So even though it's like legal and you're not going to die for it, that doesn't necessarily mean people are that, that 
like thrilled by it. But I think the reason why he goes to Camelot is because uh, uh, Huneth uh, has family there. She knows Gaius. So, I mean, where is she going to send him? Like, she probably doesn't like have any other family. Her parents are probably dead. Her husband is obviously missing. Like, she's never, like uh, she hasn't seen him in yeah. years. So her, husband is gonna... also, her husband is also the one who went missing in the first place because Camelot was hunting down people with magic. Like, I get it. She wanted to send him to someone she knows. But at the same time, why send him to the one place where I would be beheaded immediately if people found out who he was? Like, I don't... Yeah, anyway. My headcanon is... And I, I will admit that I probably sold this from a fanfic that I do not remember what it was. But I think I read this in a fanfic at some point and I accepted it as a headcanon. That if it was found out that Merlin had magic and like that he was actually really powerful, then Senred would kidnap him and use him for his own purposes uh, or something. Oh, so that sounds way more acceptable to me. That that <laughs> is like literally the only the only explanation I can accept why Merlin couldn't go somewhere else in Esetir to be uh to hide his ma or to be safe with his magic or why Merlin had to hide his magic in Esetir in the first place. And I mean at least in Camelot, like he would still be in danger in Camelot, in a different kind of danger, but at least he would have someone else there to look after him and to help him. So, like, that's that's the only explanation I accept for this. Yeah, and because it's kind of, well, I guess it goes back to the writers being like, we have borders, but really they don't matter when we're not thinking about it. Because, like, even later in the episode, Will's like, oh, what are you going to do? Kill me? Like, no, because this is Esetir, like we've stated I, I have times. that note for later <laughs> on. I'm like, oh, you have no jurisdiction in this. Yes! <laughs> Thanks, I was thinking that as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. We'll come so back often. to that. Uh, no, like, this yeah. is, it's an Esetir, it's in a different land. And like, Senred, and I'm assuming this is also, because they say early in the episode about how it's like Senred's kingdom still. And I assume this is because they just never thought they'd get past the season one. So they didn't realize that later Senred would partner with Morgos and Morgana, so it's like they probably just went, Yeah, there's there, he lives in not Camelot and that whatever. Like <laughs> and then went back and just pulled the Esetir out of a hat and went, Okay, yeah. this is gonna partner with Morgana. Like they didn't think about it, I guess. But yeah, they stress the borders so much and then don't. And I'm just like <laughs> Well doesn't Bradley like like take the piss out of this in the commentary during the throne scene. He's like Esetir uh, is beyond the M25. Yeah. <laughs> for an army, Too far, for an army to enter Surrey would be an act of war on Surrey. <laughs> it's just, um, but like, just to go back to the line about um, uh, they won't, they never do. I just think when you're watching, again, you're watching these episodes in season one and the show is still brand new. And it's kind of like a little cheeky line and you're like, oh, yeah, that's like quite a cool line. Like they never do. Like he's, you know, good at hiding his powers or whatever. And no, he's not. No, like, but no, he thinks that, you know, he, yeah. he thinks that he is. <laughs> and then, and then you go, uh, you know, you, you rewatch it with the knowledge that in season one, in that moment, Merlin was sitting there talking to his mum, thinking one day people will I will be able to tell people about my powers. One day I will be recognized for my abilities. One day Arthur will know who I am. And then you get to season five and that line of they never do is just kind of horrendous because you're like, that's it. They don't. They never do. Like, he's never going to be recognized for anything. And it's just like, I can't. <laughs> I can't do 
yeah, definitely so much of this is them not thinking it would go any further, because it's, like, set up so much that, like, you know, one day they will, and no. Yeah, retrospectively, never happened. But I like that, because even, like, even if their original plan was, I mean, look, we know, because they've said, they, in some drafts, never actually were going to reveal Merlin's magic to Arthur. Like, they had no intention of doing that, and they only kind of decided on that in season five. And they never had any intention of revealing his magic before the finale, which makes me mad, but so we know that. So, But the thing is, is like, even if they had had a storyline in mind where other people found out and Merlin was recognized for his powers, I kind of prefer it as it is because, I mean, even though I do love angst, but I think it it makes it more tragic for his character because it's like, yeah, the the fair thing is that he should have gotten what he deserved, but he didn't. And that's what kind of like destroyed him as a person in the end was that he just like had this burden on him of I'm carrying everybody else and I'm never going to like get to feel that from other people. I'm never going to have that support and I'm never going to have that recognition. And when he slowly starts to realize that, I think, um, yeah, I think that line of they, you know, they never do turns from, but, but one day they will. And then it turns into, they never do. That's it. Like, yeah. And they just never will. Yeah. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's never a Merlison episode until I bring up the fact that Merlin thought he was going to be recognized for his abilities and ended up <laughs> walking the earth alone for a thousand years. Season one was so hopeful. And then we get, we were like, well, we're more knowledgeable now. And then, no, there's no hope. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad I can rely on Roxanne to bring down the mood of an episode like every single week. Just... It's really reassuring to know that this will be coming every episode. Like, like he thought that he was going to like be recognized. <laughs> he thought Arthur was gonna see him and love him, and he never did until the last minute. And I'm just like, I mean, that is really a like a really you know, it's kind of like a Greek tragedy in a way. It's 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 really great, but it's just so painful to watch. Well, that's- that's what, you know, reincarnation and author returns fake is for. I have a dumb note on that scene if you want a little bit of a lighter thing is my note is because uh, I have several wardrobe notes that uh, my favorite thing about season one is uh, Merlin's leather bracelet that is only here for like this season and we never see it again. <laughs> I think, oh God, who was it? Someone talked to me about this. I forgot who it was. Was it you or someone else? I don't remember. Someone was like, he wears it right up until the episode with Freya, and their headcanon is that he gave it to Freya, and that's why we never see it after the Freya episode. That's good. I like that. Because it's such a good little, like, accessory. He gets, like, an accessory that just is not a neckerchief, and then we never see it again. <laughs> I'm like, oh... Rest in it's peace. like <laughs> it's like Arthur's uh, tooth necklace that he has in in Lancelot. Uh, I'm like, where where did that go? Why does he never wear this ever again? Why did he wear it then? <laughs> um, I have I have just realized, guys, that we skipped past the Merlin and Gaius scene where Gaius is being oh. a mother where where Gaius is being a mother hen and making sure he's packing enough blankets and making sure that he uh, is careful of, of the wine because one whiff of a barmaid's apron and he's singing like a sailor. <laughs> 
And uh, for, for, for Momo, who has not seen the commentary, this is where <laughs> Katie says in the commentary, and that's true in real life, too. <laughs> Colin's and like, uh... I don't know what you're talking about. And then Bradley's like, we're talking about the rap party where you drank a considerable amount. <laughs> just like... <laughs> so, yeah, I just felt like I had to make sure that I... Uh, got that in there because I completely like I was like hang on I feel like we've missed something yep that's the scene <laughs> um Merlin doing a little magic spark dragon in the like where everyone can see yep I mean <laughs> it is it is not even just any dragon it really looks like the Camelot crest so that's just yeah Connor were you done with your um fashion notes were there was there something else you wanted to say Mostly, I was just going to say, oh, God, what is my actual note? It says, uh, it's my absolute favorite next to the sigil that he never technically got, but, like, it totally happened. Uh, rest in peace. I hope you rest in wardrobe heaven with Arthur's hunting duster and the thriller jacket. <laughs> like, my wardrobe notes are a little ridiculous. I have one later about Morgana as well, but it's, like, a specific piece that happens in Eldor. So, yeah. I love oh, I I have more to say about Morgana's wardrobe in the Eldor. Just... Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty I... sure we're gonna be talking about the same thing. <laughs> Probably. Oh I like I'm going into costumes like this is my goal, and so rewatching this episode with a critical eye, I was like, I have to remember to not look at Morgana. Like I just. <laughs> <laughs> I have to remember to not look at Morgana. Is probably like, something no one else ever says. <laughs> I'll, I'll look at her face because yes, but like sometimes the costumes, I'm like, ah, oh, like they're really pretty. But it was 2008, so I, and a kids show, so I have to kind of be like, all right, they didn't like, you know, they barely had budget to do all the other stuff they wanted to do, and it has to match the aesthetics of 2008, which were not great. So. <laughs> <laughs> God, oh god! So long ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then of course Arthur shows up yes, in the middle of the night. And, right. Hang on. Wait. 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 <laughs> <laughs> because I just noticed this when I like again I rewatched it with a friend of mine and I was just I was tearing this episode a new one because I was like oh this is actually really fucking shit <laughs> but like I mean. He's walking down that little like slope with a with the sword in his hand, and I was looking at it, and I was like, "Where did all this smoke come from?" <laughs> That's fog. It's fog, Roxanne. Fog doesn't do that. Fog doesn't like look like smoke. I was like, "Who turned the smoke machines on?" <laughs> this yeah, was that? I wonder if that scene was actually filmed in daylight and then rendered because they did that for I think Cornelius Segan they've just filmed some night scenes during the day and they probably were like we're just gonna pump in some fog and make it look like maybe it's nighttime (laughs) oh my god yeah but it just like I saw it and I was like what the fuck is with all this fog junk I was so confused but yeah that was just the first thing I noticed and I was like okay fine fine I guess we're in a horror movie now something I noticed which I never noticed before, is when Merlin and Arthur then sit by the fire and talk to each other, and like Arthur is like, how much further, and Merlin tells him how long until they get to the Elder. In the background, someone's sword is stuck into the ground, and like from the way it is, the, the shot is framed and filmed, the sword is like, first of all, it looks like the sword is not stuck in the ground, but in, in a rock. And second of all, it's like, it's, almost exactly in the middle between the two. And I just thought, thought, 
wow, this on the back, like, this is the only thing that is, like, on the back of Excalibur that's mildly funny about the placement of this episode. It's like, you had Excalibur in the episode before, and now you have a sword stuck in a stone in the middle between Merlin and Arthur in the background. That's, that's actually funny. <laughs> well, can we just appreciate the second Martha moment of the week, which is Merlin running after Arthur like a little puppy when he <laughs> like walks off and tells him to put the sword down. He just runs after him like a little puppy dog. And I'm just like, oh, he's so in love. I just, it's just too much. It's too much. And Arthur trying to be ready. Yeah. <laughs> My boyfriend's here again, thank God. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do. <laughs> and, like, Arthur, like, being totally, like, yeah, like, it's not a problem. Yeah, 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 of course it was going to come. Arthur's like, sitting, yeah, like, he's not even making eye contact. Like, Merlin's sitting there, like, he's clearly freezing. Like, I think that was just Colin, like, being clearly freezing because Bradley's wearing chainmail. But, yeah, he's just kind of, like, Merlin's, you know, trying to be emotionally available. Like, he's like, oh. <laughs> you know, you didn't have to come, blah, blah, blah. And Arthur's just like, how many men? How much longer? And I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Arthur, it's okay to express your feelings. I'm just going to keep saying that. Probably until I'm blue in the face. Yeah, because he doesn't know how to do that. That's not a thing. (laughs) Oh, God, he's... I keep saying this, but, like, he's got the emotional capacity of a teaspoon. It's just, it's tragic. Like, not even the emotional capacity, because he has the capacity for many emotions, just the, 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 yeah, just the, the ability to, you know, express any of these feelings, just, uh, it's not developed, like, at all. Um, my one note that I have here, which is in regards to Arthur coming to Eldor to help Merlin, uh, which I guess I can just say right here, is, um, because obviously I was thinking about this in in comparison to the poison chalice like uh, like we mentioned earlier and i and i've just written down the one thing that i do like about this episode compared to the poison chalice in terms of their relationship is that this isn't arthur paying merlin back for something that he did he's just helping him because he can like he literally didn't have to go to eldor like in the poison chalice like merlin was dying he'd saved his life by drinking that poison so arthur yeah of course he wanted to dip but like he also felt obligated he says he saved my life like that's his reasoning to uther for why he's going you know not any other this is like he's just gone yeah this is all arthur like this is actually like this is the thing like it's a really big deal for their relationship it's just um everything else about it is in the wrong you know what you know what i think because at this point, Morgana, Gwen, and Merlin have been gone for, like, what, half a day? And Arthur just got so bored at the castle without anybody there to torment. Like, he couldn't bicker with Morgana. He couldn't bicker with Merlin. He was like, well, everybody I like to tease and, and banter with has left. So I better go after them and make sure they come back <laughs> like i think that's also part of the like the the actual motivation is arthur going with merlin to make sure that these bandits are really taken care of so that he can then take merlin back with him yeah that's true <laughs> and i mean i can just imagine arthur at home like pacing like 
trying to think like trying to keep himself busy and being like he's gonna die <laughs> he's gonna die i oh for fuck's yeah, sake he sees a sword and says oh it's swordy and he's gonna die <laughs> gwen left a note under the door like he called it swordy and you need oh. to come out <laughs> oh no yeah the next scene i think is where they conveniently show up in the eldor just as kanan is about to kill someone which I mean, Matthew, he's about to kill Matthew oh, Anderson. He's about to kill Anderson. He has a name, therefore it's important. <laughs> <laughs> Which is ironic because, ooh, spoiler alert, Matthew dies anyway. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just delayed the inevitable pretty much with his fancy uh, sword. Work. And like, Arthur, Arthur, even sort of, oh, Arthur even sort of caused it by sending Matthew out to Sentry duty and then that's where Matthew gets killed and like you sent him there because it would be a safe job I'm just like oh no Arthur it's gonna haunt you but Kanan is like okay look I'm just gonna put like I think Kanan is just a fucking awful villain like I really think he's just unbearably cheesy and how he's, he's very just evil he, like, <laughs> like you know he has, what's his motivation <laughs> I don't understand like also, it makes no sense because he's like, "I'll take all your food, and then you'll all starve, and then I won't have farmers." Like, like yeah, take the amount that you would need so that way they could survive and they could keep growing food for you. I, that's... I think, I think he's just gonna go to the next village or something. I wonder if he's tormenting other villages or just goes like through every village one by one every year. And like, I think, like, I never thought about his motivation before, but he probably takes the food and sells it somewhere else to like because what else is he gonna do with it he's not gonna eat it all i think he's he's just gonna sell it somewhere on the black market and make make himself a few more coins well the thing is is like he like his lines like when anderson is like oh we just kept the bare minimum everything else you can take and he's like that sounds fair and how like when he says we just kept what we need to survive and he's like survive <laughs> He's like, what? <laughs> yeah, so Kanan is... I can't take Kanan seriously in any scene that he's in, so we'll just put that out there. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, he's very much he a cheesy, like, bad boy. Like, bad villain, essentially. Uh-huh. They were like, we need somebody to hit with a sword this episode, so here you go. <laughs> but, like, making him, like, anything, like, even for, like, even making him um, have maybe some prior connection to one of the characters, like, but I, it's like anything you could have done to make him more interesting. But instead, you gave him lines like, "I'll be back in one week, farmer." And I'm. Just... I wonder. I wonder since, like, I feel like every time Matthew is singled out when Kanan comes to the village. Like, in, in the very first scene, at the beginning of the episode, Kanan is like, find him. I think that's what he says. And then they bring Matthew to him. So I wonder if Matthew is the link to Kanan, which now makes me want fake about what this link could be like. What if Matthew, before he came to Yeldor, was part of Kanan's bandit gang... And then he got out and and fled, and but Kanan found him, and now Kanan is taking revenge by tormenting the village, which would explain also why he 
doesn't care about sustainability for future harvests and potential to steal thing. He just wants to take revenge on Matthew because nobody leaves the mafia. Basically. <laughs> nobody leaves Kanan's gang. <laughs> nobody leaves Kanan's gang. <laughs> oh my god, how did we get here? <laughs> um, so the gang shows up and yeah, Arthur is a sword thrower now. <laughs> Which, like, those, there's, I'd have to look at what type of sword it is, but, like, them shits are heavy. Like, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so they all kind of, like, uh, muck in and start start fighting, and that's, uh, and that's when we uh, see Merlin kill that guy, like we said. Um, and we, obviously, were on Armor Watch, as always, and ah, yes. they have a cute scene in which Arthur nearly dies and Morgana saves his life in the most badass way ever and then she says bring back memories of when I used to beat you and it Never just gives, <laughs> gives me all of the like baby armor feels where they were teenagers and basically they are um like the characters from the Swan Princess um Odette and oh, Derek, yeah. like where they grew up together and they like really didn't like each other and he's like oh she's always flirting and she's always this and she's so pretty and it's just like <laughs> and he's just and yeah so now and obviously them training together didn't um Maro didn't you tell me about a fic in which uh Arthur trains Morgana yeah I can't remember which one it was but that just makes me just Oh, my heart. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I wrecked it for the Morgana character episode in Merlissen where they are kids and Morgana insists that Arthur share his sword lessons with her and then Gwen also joins in later because they need swords, obviously, and Gwen is the one who has the swords. But wasn't... Or maybe I'm getting that... Because I, I thought you also spoke about a fic in which she... He he helps train her to help her with her grief over losing her father or something like that. Or maybe I'm thinking of a different fic. Maybe I'm thinking. Well, I I read a fic one time <laughs> where where uh, Morgana references um uh how when her father died and she was really young, Arthur kind of like helped her through it, like. By um by like helping her get her aggression out like through sword fighting and stuff so it just uh it just gives me like so many feels I just love them together and like as we get through season one I know that like I'm never gonna see them again <laughs> so I'm just I'm sad about that is this also when Will uh sees uh speaks to Merlin for the first time yes yeah yes. that's when he's like oh I see you're still up to your old magic tricks yeah we're supposed to believe that Will doesn't like Merlin and then they grin at each other and are like yeah bestie i'm glad you're back oh god but like that's still even a lie because will is such a shit the entire episode it's like oh i'm so excited i hate you like what oh okay <laughs> i have okay okay i was i was gone wasn't gonna mention it until we go into the scene where will follows merlin into the woods but um okay i never really thought about this before but I think that part of the reason why will is so angry with merlin the entire time that merlin is in yaldor is like obviously he's also annoyed with nobility and knights um but i think that he's just pissed because his bff left the village left will because he wasn't safe in yaldor and he couldn't be himself and so he left and now merlin comes back and basically tells will that he's 
pretty much doing the same thing just somewhere else like he's still not able to be himself he still has to hide himself and will is probably thinking like well why the fuck did you have to leave in the first place if nothing actually changed for you why couldn't you just stay here and not be yourself why did you have to go somewhere else to not be yourself I think it's a lot simpler than that. I think he just does it. Like, I think he's just fucking jealous of Arthur. Like, he, like, because he's fine with Merlin. As soon as Arthur opens his mouth, he's like, uh, no. (laughs) And he hates him on sight. And then by extension, hates Merlin because he's like, why, why do you like him? You know? And it's just like, I think he's just really jealous of Arthur. Like, as soon as he sees him and he sees that, you know, Merlin clearly likes him a lot he's just like no 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 (laughs) no yeah will is like more and i have it several times in my notes that he acts more like an ex-lover than like an old friend he's just mad at arthur the entire time like beyond the point of he's nobility and nobility killed my father he's just kind of like "Uh, you're what merlin went to why (laughs) (laughs) so you never liked blonde guys before (laughs) yeah what is this about? I don't understand. And then he's like, oh, yeah, because, oh, I have, like, one of the things that he says, I think, is like, oh, so that he knows your secret? Like, uh, I do. And it's like, <laughs> Will, calm your shit. <laughs> this is what I'm saying about Bradley being like, uh, well, in every scene that Will is in, um, he's usually giving someone the guilt trip, so um, he's probably giving someone the guilt trip. <laughs> There's a, a moment in the commentary, I think, when Arthur goes onto, like, the platform to talk to the villagers, and Will, like, shouts at him, and I don't know if it's Colin or Bradley, but one of them is like, oh, he does not like Arthur. No, yeah, and yeah, Arthur yeah, it's Colin, Colin, and Bradley's yeah. like, who does? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's, um, yeah, no, I think that's Colin. I think they all know what's going on there. And I think even Katie, like, when Merlin and Will hug, he's like, oh, look at the love. <laughs> Um, so I think, yeah, the, the following, um, uh, yeah, okay, I, I have a little tiny note here, because when, um, so I, I have a thing about accents, um, everyone knows this, uh, you know, (laughs) no, not Will's, no, no, Will, uh, because Will's, Will's accent, um, it's fine. I don't mind it because no, no. I had a thing with Valiant's accent because he was meant to be like kind of uh, <laughs> nobility, and for me, the more kind of Midland Northern accent. If you're talking about like an English accent, it doesn't really strike me as like the accent of nobility. No offense to anyone. I'm just like in general. Um, but uh, no. But Will is uh, Will, Will. Will lives on a farm, so it's fine. <laughs> but um, fair, fair. no, it's Bradley. So. <laughs> After Will says, oh, so you're skivvying for some prints now. And Merlin says, oh, no, I wouldn't say I was his skivvy. And Arthur says, Merlin, gather the villagers. I need to talk to them. There's, like, like a little bit of Bradley's accent, like, is coming through. I'm like, oh, I hate it when this happens. It's, like, a little bit of his, like, I don't actually know where he's from, but he does have, like, a little tiny lilt of something that's not quite, like, the standardized accent. And I'm like, oh, this happens a lot in season one. This <laughs> is just so annoying. Um, and then does and then we have the speech. I I know Kanan's kind. <laughs> the first of many speeches made by Arthur in this episode. He makes so many. I did he like get three? I think he gets like three speeches this episode alone, and, it's and they're like... increasingly painful as they go. <laughs> like also, he's not very 
like reassuring because when Will says just give him what he wants, Arthur replies with, and then what? Those of you who don't starve to death will meet <laughs> again next time. <laughs> I don't think he meant to be reassuring. I, I generally, really, genuinely really think he was like, I'm gonna frighten you into fighting for your own lives. <laughs> yeah, because it's either like, you're either gonna die now or die later, so... <laughs> Would you rather go down fighting? Which I think is very much an Arthur thing where it's like, I would rather fight to stay alive type of deals. Yeah, but I mean, just the line, I know Kanan's kind. I think even Bradley goes, no, you don't. (laughs) (laughs) What you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Will pipes up um, and starts, you know, giving it the Barry, as they say. And uh, he's just like, I... I don't know if he or like if uh, if this is kind of him lashing out at Arthur because he's now with Merlin or if he's lashing out at Arthur because he's noble, but it's all a yeah he's just jealous and angry and acting a little and like even Hunith tries to like you know put him in his place like keep quiet <laughs> he's here to help us which is just really funny um and uh, yeah uh, so Hunith is awesome and says i'll follow you if i'm gonna if i'm gonna you know um die then i'd rather die fighting which is i mean you know uh she's definitely merlin's mom you know she's oh, yeah. she's amazing um yeah and then they all are like yeah yeah me too me too <laughs> extras <laughs> <laughs> um what's the scene that oh is it i can't actually remember it's will and merlin in the hut is it them um cleaning up after after Kanan's like okay can i just right I didn't notice this until, like, again, so many things you don't notice until you're doing a Melissa episode review. But uh, Will keeps, um, like, it's like it's never actually brought up. This is a mate, like, it's actually so wonderful because Merlin doesn't do anything subtly usually. But Will has the armor that his father died in in his house, like there up on this um, cross thing, yeah, which it's never brought up that that's what it is it's just we're kind of left to assume that but it's still got his blood on it and it's got yeah. like a cut and he wears it when he dies and i'm like sure... shot in like the same spot yeah. <laughs> that like one hole in the armor <laughs> it's just um i just find it a bit weird i just okay since we're already talking about this um like, I think it's nice that it's not, like, super explicit, like, that it's more implied with the, you know, with the chainmail in the background hanging and Merlin just making this pointed comment, like, this is, don't make this about your father, you know, and, and that basically tells us a lot already. But at the same time, I'm just left wondering, what the fuck are the rules for soldiers and knights? Like, first of all, is there a difference between soldiers and knights, because you can't tell me that Camelot, for example, can make a whole army out of knights when knights are supposed to be just noblemen. So, do you have knights and you have soldiers, or do you just have knights? Because I think in Camelot it's just knights, not soldiers and knights. Then again, is it different in Senred's kingdom? Does he have different rules about who can become a knight? Why? If, like, because the, the, um, the tunic that was over the chainmail of Will's father, where where we can see the blood, like it has a crest on it, and so is that Senred's crest? Is that a house crest for Will's family? What the fuck is Will doing in the 
in a poor village as a peasant when his family was some kind of nobility. I just what the fuck are the rules? Well, the there problem no is is that so so the problem is is that historically here we go. <laughs> um, yeah, take a shot. Um, <laughs> historically, knighthood is literally just a title um you know to uh bestow upon someone that you feel deserves it so a king could you know make anybody a knight and obviously people are still knighted now you know sir elton john blah 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 um the concept of knighthood as we see it in merlin with this code of honor and the chivalry that's more um a courtly love idea and really knights as soldiers are kind of more of a a fantasy kind of a concept uh you know with the capes and the horses and everything and it is more of a pageantry thing rather than a practical thing and the problem that merlin runs into is that it tries to take the courtly love fictional version of what a knight actually is and combine it with what you said momo a soldier but the problem is is that all knights are apparently from noble families but like you said you can't build an army from just people from noble families so like historically speaking soldiers would just be anyone like that you could find that would come and join the army to fight for the king and knights had nothing to do with that like knights was yeah it was just a title that you would give someone if you felt like they were you know, maybe paying you a lot of money or were loyal to you, and then you'd probably behead them if they said something wrong anyway. So, but yeah, that's the problem when you try and, like, put history with, like, fictional stuff. It just doesn't really work. I mean, this is basically the show Merlin. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) hence why I rant a lot about history on this show. I'm like, Oh, yeah, it makes sense that Morgana's, like, maidservant is a peasant rather than a woman of high social standing like she would have been. (laughs) And I just, yeah, I get very cross. She would have still been the Lady Guinevere. (laughs) But, okay, whatever. (laughs) Like, Arthur would have been, like, if this was accurate, Arthur would have been able to marry Gwen like Henry VIII married Anne Boleyn, who was a lady-in-waiting to his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah no i'm not i'm not going down there but um (laughs) (laughs) at least not today (laughs) today um but isn't it mentioned that he uh, will's father was drafted or something similar that he was kind of he fought in the wars but but the way merlin says it makes it sound like he maybe didn't do it willingly i don't know so maybe everyone was just given like a tunic like that you know I feel that yeah, maybe that's the thing. but also like I can't believe that the like if if he was drafted against his will and then outfitted ha, against his will da, 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 hey, um, yeah. sorry sorry <laughs> and then and then outfitted by the king or at least the king's money that no one would have demanded to take back at least the chainmail like because chainmail is fucking expensive and takes forever to make and just like if that wasn't his if he didn't pay for it himself then no way would anyone would have let him 
keep it even after he even if he died in it like they were like nope we're gonna take this back because we're gonna need it for to stick it on someone else so it maybe just... they felt like yeah maybe yeah maybe just the chainmail. but then you wouldn't you know have will wearing it to die dramatically so oh god <laughs> like, in the same spot <laughs> it's just hilarious um, yeah, and no, I just found it weird that you'd have a dead man's armor with his blood on it still hanging in your home, like Jesus on the cross. <laughs> it's just <like> weird. <laughs> and Who I never... also incidentally had a wound in the same place, by the way. Mild level shit. Like that one hole in the armor. Oh no. Yeah, because Merlin's like, I trust him with my life. And Will's like, oh really? Okay. So does he know <laughs> about you? Yeah. Well, because he has a seat, like, this is, this is the one thing, like, where, like, I, like, I know it's easy just to be like, oh, like, this, this episode should have been earlier, but you, but there is some gray area here, because you have a scene like this, where Merlin's like, look, when I first met Arthur, I was just like you, like, I thought he was really arrogant, but as time went on, I realized that he's actually, like, a really good guy, so you, like, you, you do need to have a little bit of like history there, you know, in order to make that kind of statement. So I do kind of get that, but um, yeah, it's nice that kind of Merlin's already starting to like, like, f- like fall for him for the like, you know, n- noble Arthur. I just, oh, I love it when he's like, I just love it when he defends Arthur like to other people. I just think it's the most like the sweetest thing ever. So we have Train the one. third big Merthyr scene uh, with them topping and tailing and i mean i'm just gonna throw it out there that they really didn't have to sleep side by side (laughs) like they chose to do that so that just makes me really really happy and obviously they like migrated to uh sleeping closer together by the time we get to season five so (laughs) finally so i mean this is just the teenager in me but you know you've got um must have been hard Mm, it's like rock <laughs> it's just like <laughs> i'm like guys not in public there are people in there with you. <laughs> um so it's, it's just so charming because arthur's just like arthur's just trying to find out more about like who merlin is and that's just so charming like and he's like it's even like arthur's just really really sweet in this episode in general like he's really lovely and he says like um oh you know um have you always slept on the floor and merlin's you know just kind of you know says oh yeah yeah of course and then arthur's like no i mean it must have been you know really difficult like you know to live under these conditions and merlin's just like oh well no like you know you're just kind of used to it it's just simpler and arthur's just like sounds nice and merlin like knows he's just trying to be like sweet he's like you'd hate it (laughs) and it's so adorable i mean I think Arthur's really nice in this scene. He's just like trying to not say the wrong thing. And yeah, I think it's really adorable. Being far more receptive. And I wondered like too, while rewatching this, if this is kind of where he started to think about farm life, which he mentions to Gwen, I think in like season three, he's like, yeah, I'll go be a farmer somewhere. I'm like, did you visit Eldor and go like, oh, but I like this. I'm comfy here. Like, yeah, no, but he's not. That's the thing though. He he really, like, I think that, you know, by then, when he says this to Gwen, he just romanticizes the memory of going to Yeldo. But while he is in Yeldo, he really doesn't like it. Like, there are at least two scenes, like, the his, his uh, 
the the Arwen scenes of this episode where he turns his nose up at the food and and Gwen scolds him for it uh because that's what uh that that's what their relationship is uh Gwen scolding Arthur for things and um so but like Arthur really really doesn't like it like you know and so yeah he definitely romanticizes that in hindsight yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what we do with the show, is we romanticize it. <laughs> in which we are all a little bit Arthur. Um, and can we, right, so you, I mean, Momo, you know that one of my favorite tropes when it comes to, like, dialogue is, like, that, like, what's unsaid, and I just love that kind of stuff. So when they say, you know, um, you know, why did you leave? And Merlin's just like, oh, you know, things just change. And then he says, I just didn't fit in anymore. I wanted to find somewhere that I did. And Arthur asks, had any luck? You know, as if to be like, you know, do you feel like you fit in with me? Like, you know, like, is this your home now? And Merlin just says, I'm not sure yet. And, oh, it's just such a, like, wonderful, like, reading between the lines. And I think Arthur gets, like, like obviously he doesn't get it in the sense, like, he doesn't know that the magic secret is what's making Merlin feel like he can't, but he knows something is keeping Merlin from really feeling at home in Camelot, which again, fuck's sake, this should have come earlier on. I didn't realize this before. Like surely he feels at home there by now. Like there's like scenes in which he's said to like Uther, there's a bond between us. Like, yeah, I think this was definitely meant to go earlier on. But um yeah, it's just oh, it's such a sweet line. I just and like you can see Arthur just kind of ends the conversation cuz he like knows that like if Merlin is ready to tell him something, he'll tell him, you know, and it's just like oh. And it's adorable. And the um get the candle. It's just so domestic every time I see it. It's just so sweet. get the candle, honey. I'm like oh. <laughs> it works. Just sleeping side by side. And no. I mean the foot. I <laughs> Bradley being like, wait, my favorite bit's coming up. <laughs> and Adlib, they did two takes, and um, <laughs> Bradley's making so basically like he didn't tell he didn't tell Colin that he was gonna do this, so he did it like that, and then he goes in the commentary, he's like, and Colin complained to the director <laughs> in his <laughs> Colin whatever. Uh, David, would it be all right if we didn't do this? <laughs> <laughs> so they did one without the foot and um and they kept the one with the foot which is just really really great i mean yeah we we don't really see much of them just kind of goofing around and it's just oh it's sweet uh i think the next scene we have is them all getting dressed in the morning uh to go out ready for fighting and stuff uh hunith uh says arthur you didn't finish your breakfast and he says didn't i and he takes the food now i'm just gonna start my rant right now because (laughs) why not (laughs) Arthur is not in the like he's not being a dick like he left his food quietly on the side because he didn't like it and so he didn't want to hurt Huna's feelings he just left it you know he didn't ask for something else he didn't demand that she give him something better just left it and by the way he's come he's the prince of fucking Camelot and he's come all the way to a village that's not in his kingdom to help save their lives and he's not demanding anything he's sleeping on the ground and for Gwen to like give him the side eye and be like oh don't turn your nose up at this food I'm just like can you just sit down 
Like, <laughs> just what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, like he's literally putting his safety and his life on the line for a bunch of random villagers that he has no, like, he doesn't, you know, has no moral obligation to help these people other than he's doing it for, for Merlin and, and out of the goodness of his heart. And because he just doesn't want to eat some cack, like, what the fuck it it really really annoys me every time i watch this episode i'm like wow (laughs) this is how you're going to start off their relationship really this yeah great 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 even no even in the commentary they're like oh is this like hinting at like what's going to happen with arthur and gwen and bradley's like no (laughs) he's like like, no i don't like (laughs) no well, this is later on, I think, when they actually have their Arwen scene, and they're like, oh, is this like a hint of, like, maybe something? And all of them were like, oh, no, I don't think that's coming for ages. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, How wrong you were. <laughs> I think in season two, Angel was, like, when when they filmed The Once and Future Queen, she was like, like, you can tell she's being so diplomatic about it, but she's like, oh, yeah, like, I guess I didn't think they were going to put the kiss so early, but I don't know, I guess. <laughs> she's, just, she's just trying That's to be really nice sweet about, about him yeah <laughs> yeah i mean yeah i just i just really really dislike this like this whole like f plot of the episode of arthur not liking the food and gwen like berating him about it i'm just like why like he doesn't like the f- <sighs> i mean am i the only one that thinks arthur isn't actually doing anything wrong by not eating that food no i mean i I hadn't really thought about it before, but you're definitely right that, um, you know, he wasn't making a fuss about the food. Like, he left it quietly on the table, just didn't eat more than he absolutely had to, probably. And uh, then it is brought to him, and like, obviously, Hunith means well, and he doesn't want to insult her, so he pretends to be eating it, but then, yeah, then uh, Gwen guilt trips him. And like, what you said um, about Arthur just randomly coming well not randomly obviously but like going to this village that's not in his kingdom uh, for which he is not actually responsible to take care of just because he wants to help Merlin that's why he's there but also like if something happens to him there that first of all Camelot might be without an heir again (laughs) that went so well last time (laughs) and and second, and second of all, um, this might actually cause an a real political problem if Arthur dies in this enemy kingdom's village. You know, if this is ever found out that Arthur died there, so you know, I think you're absolutely right that Arthur is already doing a lot that he didn't have to do, that he's already compromising a lot of what he would normally do or what he's usually accustomed to without actual complaint and then to to berate him for not enjoying the food because he's not actually used to that kind of food. You know, it's just, yeah. Yeah, that that's the real problem here. <laughs> yeah, like... I, I get it, you know, from, from Gwen's point of view, I sort of get it, because she probably is used to this kind of food, and she thinks that Arthur's being a snob for for not eating it. Um, but at the same time, you know, that's, 
he's not like yeah maybe he is a snob for not eating it but at the same time he wasn't you know he wasn't being a dick about it you actually forced him to be a dick about it <laughs> like yeah you made him yeah you put, put him you put position. him on like you put him like in the second like in the first scene who doesn't mean to to put him on the spot or anything like she genuinely is like oh baby you need to eat more you're your baby you're like my you're my son's boyfriend you need to eat more i need to take care of you you have no mom <laughs> let me be your let me be your mom you know that's what hunith is doing but then Gwen, when she brings him the food later um she's definitely putting him on the spot backing him into a corner and forcing him to be a dick about like not forcing him but like what does she expect yeah, and it's like, he's so sweet. Like, when Hoonith brings him the food, he's like, didn't I? Like, he's so earnest and, like, yeah, like he said, he even pretends to eat the food. Which is why, like, this is what I fucking mean about, like, when we get into Once and Future Queen and Arthur goes to Gwen's house and is like, oh, don't you have a bathtub? Duh, 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 and then I'm now a massive dickhead. And I'm like, do you since since when is this what he's like like we've seen what he's like on a farm he's he sleeps on the floor without complaint he is living in a hut which definitely doesn't have a bathtub he's living you know out in the sticks he's eating shit food and he's getting on why do you think he would then behave this way if he was living in a in a normal house for a week in in the lower town like what why why are you doing this <laughs> and this is the thing is like you know it's like gwen from this point onwards anytime she's around arthur like starts to become like high and mighty gwen which i just really don't like like i don't i don't like what they did there because gwen you know has a really like like high like like strong moral compass and stuff but she's never been preachy up until this episode like she's never really kind of gone out of her way to like teach people how they should be and how they shouldn't like she has that one line with Gaius where she's like oh in life you always have a choice you know sometimes it's easier to think that you don't but apart from that I just feel like why are you making her Arthur's teacher why it's just because ugh. they all have a teacher student king no. <laughs> God. She deserved better. She deserved better than this kind of right. Like just, <laughs> like this is this is her only function in this episode. If you took her out of this episode, the only thing that would change is Arthur wouldn't get like harassed about not eating food. Like, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just, she doesn't even do anything. Like. Like she doesn't help sway the battle. Like, like with Morgana. Like, if you took her out of the episode, you wouldn't have her. Like, you know, like she saves Arthur's life and stuff. And you know, you kind. But like with Gwen, like she doesn't do anything. And I'm just like, mm. yeah. I mean, the the one thing she does do, which comes later, is stand up for the women to be allowed to fight. That's that's like the only the only thing that that she that she actually does do where she has like proper agency in this episode like that's i think that's the only thing that she has actual agency in this in this episode that actually does something to the plot yeah yeah that okay no sorry i yeah you you're right no no because for a second i thought they came up with it at the same time but no i think you're right it is her that says oh yeah we can 
we can fight to, which is really awesome. And yeah, that is actually something that's really great. But just more stuff like that, less stuff like that, like the other thing, please. Um, and in the same scene, once they once they head off, um, uh, and yeah. Arthur says that we need we need wood, lots of it. We. Um, <laughs> oh no. Hooneth is looking at Merlin. He's, uh, she says, you know, this is where we get our like list of Mirtha quotes in this scene. Uh, he, she says, um, he must care for you a great deal. And Merlin's like, you know, he's like, Arthur would do the same for any village. That's that's just the way he is. And she says, it's more than that. He's here for you. And he says, I'm just his servant. And she says, give him more credit than that. He likes you. And it's just like. Oh, it's, it's so the biggest parent knowing you more than you know yourself. <laughs> also, one of my other favorite tropes, which is the everybody knows trope. <laughs> I love it. And Merlin, I mean, you know, Merlin's saying that's because he doesn't know me. If he did, I'd probably be dead by now. And sheesh, you know, I don't think he's wrong. That's the thing. That yeah, the next scene is the training montage <laughs> and Matthew making. Bradley laugh. Yeah, a, a, a pig's yeah. ear of fight. Yeah, and Arthur sending him on sentry duty and basically getting him killed this way. Don't want so you fighting them all on your own. Yeah, oh god. Merlin going into the woods to cut wood. Yeah, and and, and talking to Will. Will giving him the kill trip again. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. I mean, I just... Oh, this dialogue is just is so fucking cheesy and annoying to listen to. How he's like, "Hey, remember the good old days when you nearly like flattened an old like man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> isn't it like old man Simmons or something?" I'm like, that is such it's like the most generic farm name you could give someone. It's horrible. Um, and this is where we find out that Will uh found out about Merlin's magic. He didn't he didn't actually tell him. So and that's why he had to move was because he was worried that other people would find out. And this is when Will like is basically like, "Oh yeah, but you're going to use your powers, right?" Um no. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> and we have um yeah, this is like, you know, this is what we always talk about. Merlin is like totally okay with like everyone dying as long as Arthur doesn't find out about his magic because it means he won't be able to carry on living in Camelot. Yeah. I mean <laughs> <laughs> Although I mean wasn't he gonna not come back anyway after this <laughs> He's blind upon. If you put Arthur in front of him, he's like Arthur, 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 Arthur. There's nothing else anymore. He could be literally any Eldor and now that Arthur's there, he's like, But I have to protect our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Will say, are you saying that you'd rather keep your magic a secret for Arthur's sake than use it to protect your friends and family? And Merlin's like, well, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like the silence says it all. Yeah. <laughs> they're not a scene where they're um, Gwen and Morgana are laying side by side, and Merlin's listening in on their conversation, and and they're like, oh, uh, same reason uh, that we're all here. Yeah, why? Merlin. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think he came here? Also, I mean, for all the Morgan shippers, for fuck's sake, look at them. <laughs> this episode, yeah. For, Just the, look for at them, them, this episode is so good. Like, you're talking about them doing the weapons before, and I actually, like, had to pause the episode to write this little note that just said, uh, the small, fond smile that Morgana gives Gwen is so soft and gay. Wow, I love it. <laughs> 10 out of 10. 
like, the, like we talked about, like, this is a big murder episode, but there's also a lot for Morgana and Gwen that's just, like, so yeah. good this episode. Yeah. And that's definitely one of them. That's 100% why Morgana dresses this way, just to make her girlfriend thirst for her. Let's be real. <laughs> like, also, I want to say this because it, uh, it is seen in the episode, where, uh, in the scene when they uh, make the weapons. Gwen is wearing sensible clothes. Like, she's wearing breeches, she's wearing a white tunic and then some sort of uh vest over it and like i mean it's not super protective like it's obviously it's not chain mail but at least it offers a little more protection is actually functional clothing something that an actual peasant would wear yeah she has well, more mobility it's well, not like God is not a peasant like to be fair she doesn't know how to dress no but but she could actually wear like she doesn't have to wear peasant clothes she can wear actual functional armor type of stuff <laughs> like come on morgana i know you got like uh, a leather jacket or something somewhere <laughs> that you could be wearing that would actually offer you protection from a blade sorry i was just looking through my notes and i have in caps lock will is such a prick to merlin omg <laughs> i just i yeah. just yeah he acts like he's so much better than Arthur, but any scene they have together, he's berating Merlin. Like, that's what Arthur does, so. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you're oh. not on your high horse, Will. I have no idea where this line is, but I've had, but I have it in my notes when uh, Will says, friends don't lord it over one another. And I've just put, um, when they're the Prince of Camelot, they do. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's that's... literally royalty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Will. Just yeah. So I think after the Merlin and Hunith scene is the morning, and I think it's is it Arthur and Gwen? Yeah. Well, the only thing I wanted to add was that um I because I think it's actually a really like good scene like just in general apart from like the whole food issue, but like I think it's not because he says oh I should have listened to you and Morgana like it's like again he's just so soft in this episode <laughs> he's so yeah. sweet and he like admits when he's wrong oh I just I, I want Arthur to be like this all the time um but obviously so I really like this scene up until the point where it kind of gets a bit weird for me because she's like oh you'll be fine and he says how can you be so sure and she says because I have faith in you and then kind of does her tongue tie thing that she does whenever she's around someone that she's got a crush on and I'm just confused <laughs> I, I brought this up in, I brought this up in the Arwen shipping analysis but has she ever even looked twice at Arthur and like and like it's not like they've actually spent any time together on this mission that's like been positive like they this is the first conversation that they've ever had so when would she have actually like why was that line in there and just a couple of episodes ago in Lancelot she was like well who would want to marry Arthur so you know she was very dismissive of him before like she definitely didn't like him I mean can anyone give me an explanation as to why that line was in there? Like the act, like them having a conversation, great. Them interacting for the first time, great. That that ending with her kind of walking away embarrassed. Uh, 
I'm just really weird. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't... Yeah, because this is the first time they've spoken, and I agree, she doesn't... Arthur's not on her radar at all, so the fact that... Like, the only thing I could chalk it up to is, like, trying to remember that he's royalty, but he's already given yeah. her permission to speak, so... And, like, we, we already know that she has no problem speaking up to him. Like, that's... Like, even even without... Like, the only... She has this moment, oh, no, I shouldn't have spoken to you like that, I'm sorry. And then he's like, it's fine. And, um... But, you know, even before he said it's fine, like, until she has this little moment of second-guessing herself because, of, oops, no, actually, this is... You know, this is actually the Prince of Camelot, and I actually still work there. <laughs> Um, be- before she has this moment, she has no trouble talking to him. She has no trouble talking to him after that. And just as, to end the scene this way, like Rox said, it just, it it doesn't really track. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah, it doesn't fit them. Like, even the tone no. of their conversation. Like, we haven't, and up until this point, we've never had any sort of hint or inclination that Gwen, you know, might be interested in Arthur in any way. Beyond as a potential husband for Morgana, yeah, during, during Lancelot, like she totally shipped Armor during the Lancelot episode, and I'm just like, eh? <laughs> she's she's been shipping Armor all season, as have we all, <laughs> and it's just like, and also just the like, like this is the thing with the Merlin writers is they come up with lines that I then go. Where did you get that idea? Because she says, because I have faith in you. And I'm like, when? Since when? Since yeah, when? Like episode one, she was like, uh, he sucks. <laughs> yes! <laughs> uh, I mean, yes. Okay. It, Gwen has witnessed throughout the canon of season one, Arthur doing good things for other people, for Merlin, um, for Lancelot, you know, trying to, you know, get him to stay, uh, you know, all these kinds of things. So, you know, we, so yeah, it makes sense that she can see he's changing. But the thing is, is that we haven't seen any evidence of her seeing that he's changing. <laughs> that's just us imply, like, that's just us reading between the lines. So if we had had one scene between Merlin and Gwen, even in this episode, saying, oh, I never knew that he could be so nice. Like, that's all you needed. <laughs> but, you know, just fine. <laughs> uh, and then we have the scene where Merlin and Arthur are getting uh, dressed, right? Yeah. It's so beautiful. Like, okay, also... The fact that he says, no, not today, put on your own, which is just such a like throwback line to when Morgana said, have you not learned how to dress yourself? And he's just like... And then he actually helps Merlin. He helps Merlin! <laughs> but the, uh, so we were discussing earlier on, uh, Connor, about how Merlin is talking to Hunith about saying, oh, you know, um, if it comes to a choice between saving people's lives and revealing who I am, and if he doesn't accept me, then he's not the friend I thought he was. And we were saying, shit, like if if a if a if a better opportunity had presented itself, I think he would have actually just told him because Arthur is doing everything in this episode consistently to prove how sweet he is. And I mean, even in this scene, 
Arthur is like, um... What do you want to tell me? <laughs> what What is it? Like, Merlin is like, uh, whatever happens out there, don't think any differently of me. And Arthur is like, well, it's okay to be scared. Merlin, Merlin is like, well, that's not it. And Arthur is like, what is it you're not telling me? And, like, they get interrupted by Morgana in that moment. But, you know, there could have been something there. Exactly. But I genuinely, I do not know which way it would have gone because I think, like, I'm still, I'm still not sure how Arthur would have reacted in that moment. I think it could have gone either way. I honestly think it could have gone either way. Yeah, I, I think this is like one of the um, small issues I also have, like, with this episode and just kind of the season in general. Is like how I think one of the recent episodes you guys were talking about, like how it felt like everyone was really gunning for a magic reveal that like would have happened and i feel like so many scenes especially in this episode set up that it it was a conversation they were going to have like even if it was a cliffhanger to the end of the season but like to know retrospectively that that was not at all in the plan it's like then why did we weave it through the story so strongly especially because they just because they they liked the drama (laughs) like yeah it was dramatic like it's like that's not how you write (laughs) Is, have you never heard of set up and pay off? <laughs> yeah. Starting a joke that you just never finished. That like. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Yeah, Arthur is, because Arthur is not making it easy for himself in a way because, like I said, he's everything about him in this episode is screaming, "You can trust me." Yeah. And like, oh, poor. <laughs> It's just oh so painful. Um, but there you go. He gets interrupted by Morgana, and and that's that. So no magic reveal ever. Just yelling later. <laughs> All right, and then we have the fight scene, and I have two questions about <laughs> this fight scene. Actually, I have three questions. The first question is, what the fuck is that thing that Morgana is wearing around her neck? Oh, I have that too. <laughs> I wait. wait. That polyester cowl she wears during the battle. Yikes on bikes. What on earth? <laughs> <laughs> the the this weird faux pseudo kind of chain mail lookalike scarf wrap thing. <laughs> I okay. The less said about that, the better probably. It's, and yet I've been talking about it for like two minutes now. It's so plastic. It's supposed to be. What is happening? Like, they didn't have an extra cowl, chainmail, like, shoulder piece just hanging around. No, they had to put that on her? Okay. <laughs> the second question I have is, what the fuck did they put on the ground that was this flammable? Like, what? Like, I'm genuinely curious. What natural material do they have in the Elder that they have so much of that it uh, goes up in flames this fast and this high like what is it i'm i'm pretty sure it wasn't like there was oil done at the time so like well it's merlin so they don't care about historical accuracy but i'm pretty <laughs> sure there were no oil lanterns i don't time. think they could have afforded like... oil. <laughs> i don't think there were oil lanterns in ealdor like they got their fire from actual fireplaces like fire pits in the middle of a room during authors millionth speech you know um so so um i mean obviously you can explain that the flames got so high because magic like actual merlin's magic but then why did nobody question that 
<laughs> like, like they put straw or something on that fence, but it like all falls off in the moment that it rises up off the ground. So it wouldn't if it had caught flame, it wouldn't have caught flame up through the fence. So what? <laughs> yeah. And my fr- my third question is, why did Modern pick a tornado to to use as magic? Because like I mean, yeah, strong wind is strong wind, and that's uncomfortable. But it it blew away the villagers as much yes. as the bandits, <laughs> and like wind stops at some points. And then what does what stops the bandits from coming back once there is no more wind? Like <laughs> what the... what and went got into this? Off dis- by the, the weather. What went into th- <laughs> what like, went ah! into this decision making? I don't understand. It's it's so bad. Like the only explanation I think I can come up with is that they needed something that wasn't obvious that Merlin had done it. Like so it didn't like shoot sparks out of his hand. Yeah. Otherwise, Arthur would have been able to see who it really was. Whereas with this, like you, yeah, like you could have said it was Will. But uh, the like, only, uh, only good part of that scene is that stunt rider can like bounce off the ground. Like that's uh, cool, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I just have three tiny things about this whole sequence. Um, well, one, I mean, just everyone fighting is just like super badass. Um, but the when they're all waiting for them to show up and Merlin and Arthur hide behind that grate, that zoom. <laughs> In all capital letters, I have that dramatic zoom, jagged zoom on the fence. Oh my god. <laughs> with the... With the... <laughs> <laughs> like, why? <laughs> just 2008. Just 2008. And then the... And then Merlin ducking under that arrow. Also, when Merlin runs to help Morgana with the flame um and he sets it on fire himself katie says in the commentary like i consistently see you use magic and yet i'm like did i see something and i'm like (laughs) katie you were literally looking in the other direction and only looked at merlin once it was already caught a a flame what what are you talking about (laughs) you don't oh so annoying um yeah, and obviously, you know, Will just sh- showing up out of nowhere off some roof. Uh, just, <laughs> <laughs> well, he was waiting for the opportune moment oh my to God, make he's... a dramatic entrance. He's apparently he's like, now... I'll fight, but only if Merlin sees me do it. <laughs> I have to prove a point. God, it's like he decided to become one of the, you know, villains from Agrabah all of a sudden. <laughs> just like, you know, ha-ha! Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's like, I didn't know you were coming back. Neither did I. Oh, God. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Painful, painful, painful. Um, Then we have, yes, we have the tornado. Arthur's like, what am I seeing? And then. um, (laughs) And then Kanan comes out of nowhere um, yelling, Pendragon! (laughs) Why? Also never introduced himself, did he? Oh my god, I don't think he did. (laughs) Listen, Kanan is just a fanboy. He's got a collector's card of Arthur and he's just like, ooh (laughs) I'm literally crying right now. You're right, he never told him his name. How the fuck does he know who he is? I swear there must have been a deleted scene somewhere because, 
A, why does Kanan have beef with Arthur? Like, where, like, since when did he become his arch nemesis <laughs> to yell his last name? Not his first name, his last name. And take off his cape. <laughs> Kanan uh, is clearly related to Lady Helen because uh, he uh, comes from the long line of people that try to kill Arthur as they're dying once we think they're already dead. <laughs> so he gets his crossbow out just while he's been stabbed and uh, goes to shoot Arthur and Will jumps in front of him. Um, which... I blame this on Arthur. Well, I don't technically blame it on Arthur, but like Arthur just doesn't care about this fight with Kanan at all. He's like, I will just kill you if you will stop yelling so I can go figure out what the hell just happened with the tornado. Like, so he just knocks Kanan down and doesn't do a double tap or anything. He's just like, okay, what the what the hell was that? Yeah. <laughs> so Kanan's like clearly not dead, but Arthur didn't care to check. He's well, just like, I gotta yell at magic. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, is that when he turns around, I mean, yeah, because he looks furious. And I mean, can you just, but can we just appreciate for a second how how Merlin must be feeling in this minute? Because like I said, he's gone throughout the entire episode with all of Arthur's body language and all of Arthur's like cues to him saying, you can trust me. I'm, I'm safe that like, it's fine. And then seeing the fury on his face when he suspects it could have been him. I mean, he must just be like, just absolutely heartbroken. You can see it in his face too. Like he's just crushed and like confused Yeah. and doesn't know what his next step should be. Yeah. And like, he just lucks out. Like he always does. Yeah. He locks out because of his best friend's eyes. <laughs> but how does he... Um... Awkward situation by more death because he just has to watch everyone he loves die. Also, I know like when, when they put Will down on the table and then Will is dying and like I know that's the entirely wrong thing to focus on in that scene but Merlin has no idea whatsoever how to pet someone's hair to comfort them. Like he's 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 rubbing Will's head as if he's polishing something. <laughs> like every time I see that scene, I'm just like, no, Merlin, that's not how you pet someone's hair, please. <laughs> it's terrible. It's not it's not comforting. That's not comfortable. It's just don't don't do it like that. <laughs> yeah. So we have that line of where he's like, so what are you gonna do? Kill me. And he's like, no, of course, you know, yeah, obviously, like, it's not, it's nothing to do with Obviously not, because you died for me. Um, Obviously not because it's not your country, Arthur. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's just like... Um, but this scene, do you know what, though? For all intents, but like, you know, all joking aside, I, I, I really don't care that much about Will as a character, but I think that Joe did such a great job with the scene. I really do feel for them in this moment, and like how you know you can see how much he's missed Merlin and like I think it makes this scene so much sadder because he has been such a dick and this is the first time he's being honest and he's just like I really missed you like oh you this place has been boring without you like I'm so glad that you came back and you know I'm really happy that you're you know with Arthur and you're going to be like you know and like he's going to be a great king and then what completely fucks me over every time I watch it is when he says Merlin I'm scared oh it's so it, like I was watching it because I've been watching it so much with the commentary that I finally watched it without it to like kind of get ready and that scene just it hurt and I was like Will you pissed me off for the whole episode but now I'm like gonna cry over you because that yeah. is just we don't really see it a lot with the people that die in Merlin because people die like all the time yeah. but we get with Will that sense of like this is 
the end. Like, and he's so young and he is scared. And scared. And he wasn't supposed to die. Like, like, this wasn't his fight. Like, I, I think with, you know, some of the sad deaths that we have, like, in Merlin, you know, they kind of happen because... You know, um, people. You know, like Freya. You know, kind of. You know, had her own kind of stuff going on, and Balinor. Like they were, you know, kind of in a fight and everything. But I feel like even though there was this conflict, Will, it was just an accident. Like Will just jumped yeah. in front of Arthur because he was there. Like he wasn't supposed to die. And it's just, yeah, like that's it. Like just because of a split second decision, he's 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 just gonna die. And it it it's really really sad. Yeah, it's I really think hard. that. Oh my god. It's um this is so maybe on accident, but this is so well mirrored in how Will is often used in fanfic. Like a lot of the fanfics that Will is in, he dies. <laughs> either he is already like either is he is already dead or he dies during during the story. And a lot of the times, like I can like not I can't name titles right now but i can think of at least two or three fics in which he was killed in an accident with a lorry uh like specifically an accident with a lorry <laughs> there is um there is a fic where he was there's at least one fic in which he was actually shot uh not in britain but in the u.s because he and merlin had moved because merlin and him had moved to the u.s at some point and that's where he got shot and um so Will often like, and he got shot during a robbery that he was not a part of. He was a bystander in a robbery, and that's where he got shot. And uh, so I feel like this is something that fandom potentially on accident has captured well. How Will is, uh, you know, Will's death when it happens is an accident in fandom. So also something that uh, this fandom is like. Because Will, really, he dies a lot in, at least in Martha fanfic, he dies a lot. Like, I know I, I've i written dead Will fic, um, where, like, the entire premise is that Will has died, and that, that sets up the entire plot. Um, and there is a fest in fandom that both lovingly makes fun of this trope, as well as, you know, kind of perpetuates it and it is literally called the kill will fest uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um i don't know if it's if it's still running they did at least one turn last year i think uh there's potentially it is going to run again and i know some people view it kind of controversially because they're like well why would you encourage people to kill him more in fig he's already being killed so much you know but it's like that's exactly why the fest was created because we have this trope in this fandom where we need either we need to embrace it or stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Will dies and Merlin. I mean, oh, and Colin is so good in this scene. Like he's trying to comfort him. He's saying you're not going to die. Like anytime someone is dying and they're clearly scared and the person that's like helping them die is trying to make them believe they're not going to die like it just oh it's so horrible to watch but it's just really good and arthur like shepherding everyone out of the room oh yeah i noticed that how he puts his hand on the backs of uh of gwen and morgana and just gently pushes them out of the house and then who the follows by herself i'm just like oh, i never noticed this how arthur is like come on let's give these 
a little space. This is not our goodbye. Yeah. Arthur is so good in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I just, like, I would have revealed my magic to him and I don't have magic. (laughs) It's like, oh, it's so cute. Um, And then we have the barbecue. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I mean, poor Bradley, just really, that so much chainmail, so much fire. (laughs) He's like, it. They were like, oh, it's so cold this day. He said, oh, speak for yourself. I'm in four layers of metal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and um, so the conversation they're having here is, I mean, this is what I'm saying. Like the the mandatory episode where Merlin thought it was safe and it was not. <laughs> and then he is sad. And they're basically just talking about how, doesn't he say, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have kept this from me, Merlin. But I'm like, when would you have ever seen Will again in your life? <laughs> you don't live in the Eldor. Like, why would you? Why do you care? And doesn't he make a comment about how magic threatens everything they hold dear? I'm like, this isn't your kingdom, babe. Like, <laughs> remember those borders you, that we talked about? This <laughs> is nothing in the to beginning do. of the episode. <laughs> you should talk to your father about the meaning of borders. <laughs> uh. um, but doesn't he like? Because the thing is, is that I mean, unless he just kind of it feels like Merlin should have told him because he thought they could like share everything and so Merlin should have like told him when he had a chance oh by the way Will is a sorcerer but again I don't really know why it would be relevant like Arthur knows that like Arthur knows that he doesn't like magic at this point and that Camelot is against magic and if he thinks Merlin knew that his best friend had magic then why would he expect Merlin to come to him with this like I don't really played into the battle because Will didn't want to be there to begin with. So even if, like, in a world where it was Will, like, Merlin wouldn't have had to tell him because Will wouldn't have wanted to be there anyway. I don't... And I don't know how Arthur didn't... Like I said, to me, it's completely obvious after Arthur asks who did it, like, with Merlin, that look on his face. To me, it's obvious that it's Merlin. Like, the fact that he even bought it, like, that it was Will. Yeah, like, like, I feel like Arthur felt like it was Merlin in that moment. And, like, yeah. that makes that seem, like, harder. Though I do have to say, um, it is the three hours and I do have to go. <laughs> well, we had a lot of feelings. <laughs> I also have a lot of feelings about this episode. Head point to thank you. Hi. Hi. Um, so then we just have Merlin and Hoonith. I always feel like I, when when Hoonith is on, I always feel like we know her so much better than we actually do. I mean, we get a good sense of her character through throughout this episode and then well actually only throughout this episode because when she comes back for um uh, La Morta too it's uh she's not really in it much because she's literally dying um but yeah so this is actually the only proper Hoonith episode we ever have um anyway I still feel like we know Hoonith so much better than we actually do because she shows up in fanfic so often <laughs> and so uh yeah i always feel like i know hoonith but we don't actually know that much about Hoonith. like we know more about hoonith from what other people tell us about hoonith than from her character like we know about hoonith's past with balinor and all out all of that happened from gaius and from balinor but we don't actually know a lot about hoonith from hoonith so this is true. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and then we just have Hoonith looking at her kids riding off into the distance. <laughs> yes. 
I always wonder in this in this uh in this episode, I wonder how much trouble Arthur and Morgana especially are in once they come back to Camelot because obviously they've been gone for well, let's say a fortnight thereabouts because traveling to Yelda takes a couple of days, traveling back from Yelda takes a couple of days and then they have been in Yelda for at least three or four days or yeah, or longer. So, yeah, a week, exactly, because that's what Kanan says. He comes back and he'll be back in a week. And um, so I just, um, I always wonder, like, how much trouble they are in when they get back. And, like, did Uther not notice that Morgana has been gone for, like, half a day by the time Arthur sneaks out of the castle? Like, how soon after the others left did Arthur actually sneak out of the castle because he shows up there only a couple of hours after they made camp. Yeah. So it can't have been that long between them leaving and Arthur being like, well, fuck it, I'm just gonna go after them. So, I just, yeah. And like, Uther already, like, that would, again, make more sense for this episode to come earlier. Like, especially before Poison Chalice. Yeah. <laughs> because if Uther maybe hadn't done anything then, or just give him Arthur a stern talking to, you know? But then to see Arthur doing the same shit, only worse, again, to save, you know, a single servant, you know, that would actually justify him throwing him into the dungeons more then it already is justified. True. You know, it's and, just... and the thing is, is that, like, this happens again in Lancelot and Guinevere. <laughs> he just beats. <laughs> I just... <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, God's sake. Like, this show... I mean, yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, where is our scene of... I mean, I guess Arthur would have just covered his tracks by, like, having the servants lie and say he's gone on a hunting trip. Like he did in Gates of Avalon, but yeah, it's just like, um, so yeah, wow, that has been really, really great. It's, it's a shame that Connor couldn't be here until the end, but, um, work was calling and I greatly, uh, overestimated our ability to keep this, to keep this short, <laughs> but, um, it has been great talking about this episode. And next time, we are going to introduce a new category yet again. And in the meantime, I'm Omotastic. And I'm Miss Snowfox. And our guest was Connor. Thank you, Connor, again for coming by. We hope to see you again. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye! Bye!